The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 372 of the Columbia Calling Podcast. This week's episode sees us chatting to Damon O'Neill in Medellin, and uh, we're talking about going deeper into Medellin when we talk about the tourism opportunities there. And Damon has been uh, volunteering at the Eco Parque above Comuna 13, so Comuna 13. Those of you who know Medellin and those of you who are planning on visiting Medellin will know that the Comuna 13 is, well, it's infamous as a, I would say, sort of shanty town, but of course it's become a tourism, a tourist destination for the graffiti tours, for the urban renovation tours, for the hip-hop tours. But uh, O'Neill is uh, is volunteering a bit further into the comuna and up the hill. And there's an eco park, so an eco park, where you can hike, where you can horse ride, get something to eat. There are natural swimming pools. And he's promoting this to try and get tourism dollars to filter further into the community. So a really interesting conversation with O'Neill, whilst uh, he tells us also about volunteering as a, as a football coach to Colombian children up there in the Comuna Trece. Last week's episode with Andrew Gold was a fantastic conversation, free-flowing, great connection between he and I. And Gold, of course, is a very famous documentary maker and podcaster. If you can check out At the Edge with Andrew Gold, his podcast, you won't be disappointed. He really gets some fascinating characters, sometimes sinister characters in my mind, but he kills them with kindness. Uh, and it's uh, really interesting to hear not only his interview style, but, but uh, you know, the justification that these people seem to, well, they have. Of course, Gold uh, did a documentary in Argentina about exorcism, so that was very interesting as well. And of course, we were all able to relate to his dreadful and hellish night on a Colombian bus between two corpulent people. Uh, but perhaps we couldn't relate to him uh, waking up and sleeping or being being offered a bunk bed in the police station in Chinchina in the coffee zone. So that was very interesting as well to hear him reflecting on his time in Colombia. Of course, the news will be delivered and brought to you by uh, Emily Hart, journalist there in Medellin as well, and she'll be uh, giving you that news right now. And I'll be back with Damon O'Neill talking about his life in Medellin and what he's doing as a volunteer there in the third segment of his show. 
Thank you again to everyone on the Patreon campaign. Uh, those of you who have left your addresses on the Patreon campaign will start to receive, uh, of course, if you've been with us through thick and thin, will start to receive uh, the goodie bags. So there's tote bags, there's T-shirts, hoodies, um, mugs, and so on that you will receive as a thank you for your continued support of the uh, Columbia Calling podcast. If you have not left your uh, addresses on there, you will not receive your uh, rewards. So please, 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 you know who you are, put your address in the Patreon campaign. I'll leave you right now with Emily Hart giving you the news, and then we'll be back with Damon O'Neill talking about the Comuna 13, talking about how our tourism dollars, our tourist dollars, can filter further into an impoverished community in Medellin. So don't go away, and I'll be right back. Thank you again for listening. Bye-bye. I'm Emily Hart, and these are your top stories for the week of the 19th of April, 2021. The Special Jurisdiction for Peace, Colombia's War Crimes Tribunal, has called two still-active generals to testify, linked to 30 cases of extrajudicial executions known as false positives. The crimes were committed in the department of Huila, where the two commanded an infantry battalion. They are Edgar Alberto Rodriguez and Marcos Evangelista Pinto. The court continues to investigate the 6,402 false positives, murders carried out by the Colombian military during the presidencies of Álvaro Uribe. Colombia's environmental authority has approved aerial spraying with glyphosate, giving way to the government's plan to return to eradicating illegal crops like coca by a chemical fumigation. Concerns remain around the disproportionate effect on agriculture and the environment, as well as the chemical's carcinogenic effects. The National Narcotics Council is the body which will give the final word, but it is expected to do so as most of its members are representatives of the government. Meanwhile, a debate has opened in Congress over a bill which seeks to regulate the production and commercialization of coca leaf. The proposal aims at taking the industry out of the hands of drug trafficking networks. The state itself would buy coca leaf harvest from farmers, controlling production and commercialization. This would, it is argued, be cheaper and more effective than ongoing crop eradication programs, which yield little result with huge cost. The football players of the Colombian First Division, although they are not part of the prioritized population, could be vaccinated soon. The South American Football Confederation announced that Chinese pharmaceutical company Sinovac will donate 50,000 vaccines to immunize the members of its professional leagues, including the Colombian Football Federation. This mass vaccination aims to ensure the realization of the 2021 America Cup, which Colombia is hosting, together with Argentina. And case numbers continue to climb as the third wave hits. Daily cases are now at around 17,000, up from around 3,000 at the start of March and 10,000 at the start of this month. Cities all over the country are re-entering partial or complete quarantines with curfews common. ICUs are near full capacity in many cities. 5% of Colombian citizens have now received one dose of vaccine. 2% of the population are now fully vaccinated. That was the news for this week. Now back to Columbia Calling with Richard McCall. And we're back. This is episode 372 of the Columbia Calling podcast. We're on the line to Damon O'Neill, who's in Medellin at the moment, or should I say Medellin. Uh, Damon is a volunteer football coach. Uh, he works up there at the Eco Parque in Comuna 13, that's Comuna 13 in Medellin. He's originally from Essex, but uh, I guess we can call him a paisa now because he's been in uh, been, been for like two years uh, volunteering up there. So Damon, welcome on the Columbia Calling podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm pleased to be here. 
Yeah, well, I'm glad. A smiling face ac- across the country, over the mountains, the other sides. So let's just start from the beginning. What what took you to Medellin? Uh, so I, I arrived in here as a as a backpacker traveler <laughs> type story, as I think many people many people did. And yeah. uh, I was traveling with a few friends in Central America with always the dream of reaching South America and traveling around. And we were doing a lot of volunteering on, on our journey. And so when we arrived in Medellin, uh, we looked for volunteering opportunities again. Uh, and to be honest, I've never looked back. I, uh, I fell in love with Medellin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we fell in love with going up to the Comuna and coaching football. There was a, a catch of the Comuna because we did the tour of Comuna 13 beforehand. And, uh, yeah, so then the kids took to us, uh, the whole community took to us, to be honest, which was uh, really good. And, uh, yeah, so we ended up going up to coach football three, four times a week. And uh, and then I've, I've spent a few, a bit of time away from there. Uh, mm. But, yeah, I came back uh, to, to continue the projects. So, hang on. So, I mean, basically, you, you left your heart there because to go away and you were drawn back i mean that's it isn't it it's like you you had i don't know something the children the community how they had taken you in they'd made you one of your own and you'd gone away i assume with the idea of just continuing backpacking with your friends but that was it i've got to go back to medellin yeah it was that because we, we went home for christmas uh that was 2019 i think and so we planned that before we met the kids and uh, mm. what we did back in the UK was collect uh, football kits and football boots and any type of equipment that mm. coming from a football family and playing football my whole life, I had a bit of a network where people could donate mm. and, uh, so, and between us. And um, so we had 15 boxes that we were going to ship over to Colombia full of equipment and mm. we raised a bit of money to buy some new stuff. However, Colombian... Colombian customers didn't like that. And so they never actually reached Communa 13. But um, yeah, the plan was always to come back once we started that donation and uh, once we, we realized we loved it. And um, and so we, we went to another couple of places in Colombia. But uh, yeah, I think you're right in saying that my heart was left here and I uh, hadn't <laughs> come back. <laughs> well, that's what, hang on a second. So all these boxes are just... I don't know. I guess they've been distributed amongst the customs authorities there in Cartagena. Yeah, well, I, I sort of hope they have been because I would rather somebody be wearing all of that stuff and using it rather than it being burned, which they said it was going to happen. So, uh, uh, um, yeah, I've had it, my was, uh, it, was heart- it was heart- it was it was heartbreaking. Yeah. There's, uh, there was some good quality uh, gear there for sure. You know, you know what it is. Is is it because people are bringing so many in? Uh, they figure you're going to sell it. That's that's the thing. I've had run-ins with uh, uh, the customs there in Cartagena, and there are the corruption is phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I was just shipping over my personal belongings. You know, yeah, no value to anyone else, just to myself. And at one point they said, "Well, you know, in order to get this through, you're going to have to ship it over to Panama and back again." Although it was already in Cartagena, and it was a way of them getting more money out of me and that was it and if it stays longer then they charge you longer in the warehouse and then to, in order to get a meeting I had to pay a, a, a facilitating fee 
of around 300,000 pesos and stuff. I mean, it was yeah. just like, God. So anyway, I reckon, I reckon your stuff has been distributed, perhaps for a fee, around Cartagena somewhere, because there were originals and stuff. But hang on, you are coaching football, and you have a background in football. And I've done my research, and you've had trials at both West Ham and Tottenham. That means you're pretty good. <laughs> what? I will go that far. But what happened? Were you just not? Were you, you just couldn't make the final cut? Or t- tell me, it was cut short by injury. Oh yeah, it was injured. I, I was the next Beckham, and I broke my leg. <laughs> 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 no, uh, well, I mean, from Essex, but I, I grew up around the corner to West Ham's training ground, and mm. uh, so played in East London and Essex, and so very much in the catchment area. And if you're if you're half decent uh, around where I'm from where we, we were playing football, there, there's lots of kids who get picked up for uh, trials here and there and um, and then get released and then get another team. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm half decent and played my whole life and I've, and I've got some coaching badges uh, from since I was like 18. So I've done a bit of coaching back in the UK and, uh, and in the US. And uh, yeah, but I don't play any anything serious now. I've got a game tonight, actually. I'm... Uh, five and side match, but that, that's all it is at the moment here. But uh, oh, no, yeah, it was uh, it was it, it was good to try. Yeah, well, that's a great deal of humility. I would be dining out on that if I'd actually had a trial anywhere. Now, you're a West Ham fan, and you used to have La Roca. You used to have Carlos Sanchez at the team, but he's now at my team, the Colombian international. He's now at Watford, and he's a he's like our luxury defender. So there you is go. Is he? Well, he, <laughs> yeah. he, rarely play, he rarely played for West Ham. Don't say that. <laughs> well, yeah, I, mean, I, I think it was through injury rather than not being good enough. So Yeah, because uh, he's... I mean, in the championship, he's just—I mean, he is the rock, is it? Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah, good. He, I'm, I'm pleased for him because obviously I was always a bit biased when he was at West Ham. I wanted to—I wanted him to play, but mm. uh, I mean, it, I felt like no, nobody at home who supported West Ham knew who he was, and yeah. barely anybody in Colombia knew who he was either. So I, I was—I was stuck for, um, <laughs> for conversations there. <laughs> so tell us a little bit. I mean, coaching up there in, I guess it's Comuna Trece and in the Eco Park. I think we have to start at the beginning and say, well, okay, Comuna Trece, most of us, or Comuna 13, most of us who are familiar with Colombia will know what Comuna Trece is. It's one of the big sort of do you want to say shanty towns? It's more advanced, I would say, than a shanty town. It's a big uh, catchment area, uh, a more down at heel area of Medellin, but now has become a destination for tours, graffiti tours, rap, uh, hip hop tours, and now I guess the eco park where you are volunteering. Tell us a little bit about it all up there. So, uh, yeah, as you as you know, a lot of people or basically everybody who comes to Medellin knows about the graffiti tours. It's one of the things to do in, in Medellin. Uh, mm. And our project is an eco park or eco parque in Spanish. And basically we're in another neighborhood of Comuna 13, basically. And you talk about uh, it developing and how it's become an attraction and because I see a lot of the other side, unfortunately, that road that you walk up on the graffiti, mm-hmm. up the escalators, uh, people are fighting, to tr- not fighting, but people are battling it out to try and win as much and earn as much along that street. 
However, a five-minute walk away where we're based and they don't benefit from those escalators, that they don't use the escalators as a commuting route because they don't live in that uh, neighbourhood and mm. then they haven't got a shop or they can't sell street food along the route uh, to the tourists. And so without trying to say that uh, the whole tourist thing is bad because it's really good for everybody who does benefit and, and the whole area has has boosted, um, there's still a lot of poverty, a lot of people struggling. Uh, and so our eco park is part of the tourist a project to try and boost tourism even further in Communa 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so we have natural water pools in the mountain. Uh, so there's five springs up in the mountains that run down into our natural water pools. Uh, and so I say ours, I'm, I'm still a volunteer and it's very much the local guys, which is actually why it's so inspiring as well, because the founder of the eco park is also the founder of the foundation and the football school who, where I volunteer. He used to go and play in these natural water pools when they were just water. They were just puddles in Colombia. Mm. They call them charcos, charcos, which is puddles. And, uh, he literally had the idea to almost commercialize it or make it more formal and, and do build a real swimming pool with this water rather than just going to play it there with, the, with, with your mates. And, uh, well, he tells stories that are even just three years ago, the land in which the eco park was, uh, eco park is, was controlled by the armed groups. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is one of the major benefits of the whole graffiti and tourists, uh, aspect is that now the locals are taking control back and they're doing things like the eco park and, uh, where, on, on Sundays, there's a thousand people going through the door of the eco park. The locals mm. absolutely love it. It's and you, and when I see our kids there from the football school or families there making their sancochos, it's uh, you, you literally can't put a price on how valuable that is in terms of those kids not getting lost or not spending time on the streets with unfavorable people or in unfavorable environments. And obviously I know who these kids are and, and their living conditions and some of the threats uh, that I know they, that they live by. And so it's really, I mean, it's really good. The energy there is just amazing. It's, uh, mm. It is uh, huge. And also, I don't know, a lot of people learn in the Comuna 13 tour about the graffiti, about Las Combrera. And mm-hmm. so, which is where a lot of the, uh, missing peoples uh, were buried uh, throughout the the war and uh, it, it was a it was a dump for the city and uh, a lot of missing peoples were there and, and on one of our tours we visit um, the memorial that we have there so the the owners of the land which is which is the second biggest thinker in Medellin actually and uh, they donated a church and we have a little memorial which which we're trying to build up and really recognize as a, as a memorial in Medellin, you know? A few years ago, I did a piece about La Escombrera okay. uh, for, the, for the Daily Beast. And, uh, I mean, pretty, pretty awful stuff. And, of course, it was, you know, was it Operation Orion? when they Orion, were, yeah. Really, but so you go up there, but is, are you reclaiming the land as an open space? Or it's just, it's a... Uh, it's a memorial to what went on. I mean, 
what what are, what is going on up there now? Are they are they looking to build on it because it's right there? And I mean, on the edge of the city. Yeah. So, well, the eco park it's all on private land. So it's a finca. Mm. It's owned by a family, and uh, well, one of the well, it's a big family basically. And it's quite sad that you talk about the memorials and uh, this family went through a lot of a lot of trouble uh, over the past uh, 20 years or so, as you can imagine. And as Communa 13 is known as a route out of the city, uh, mm. smuggling whatever you may want to smuggle out of the city, um, this family, the, the child was kidnapped by narco-traffickers uh, and basically they were just, they said, look, if you don't leave the land uh, and flee your thinker, uh, God knows what will happen to the child. And so the family now are back there and the child survived and they they, they left their thinker, uh, mm. which is um, their hand was dealt, I suppose. And, uh, but now it's, it's part of the transformation and, I mean, I'm not a local. I don't know the details. I don't want to try and claim the details of like who negotiated with who and all of that stuff, you know. But um, right now there's the thinker, uh, the house where uh, some members of that family still live. Um, mm. so some of the family members wanted to sell the land. However, uh, Hammers, Hammers is the founder of the Eco Park, and I could refer to him a few times. So uh, I, I, I would name him. He him and, and the guys and the partners of the Eco Park put their case forward to build a tourist attraction and uh, to, to provide a space for the community uh, to, to, to swim in their natural pools. And now we have, a, we have a volleyball court there with sand and we have hammocks to relax and there's a mini granja, a mini farm. Uh, so we have the animals. And, uh, and so it's on private land, so you have to pay to get in. So locals, it's five mil at the weekends or three mil during the week. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're still building it up, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it is very difficult. We, we, we're trying to offer tours as well, which is really where we can make our money and really make the social impact uh, because part of our profits go towards social projects such as the football school where I volunteer. Mm -hmm. uh, and delivering Mercados, weekly shops, um, especially with the COVID uh, crisis. Um, and so we have the tours, for example, a horse tour. You can go on a cabalgata, uh, ride mm -hmm. the mountains, and the horse is about three hours, and you, you arrive at an amazing viewpoint of the city up in the mountains. Uh, Comuna 13 looks well. It looks like it's not on the mountains from when you're up there. It's really amazing. But you can see the whole city. And uh, so that's like 60 mil. And you have yeah. to reserve that. So tours like this, we're trying to, we're trying to promote little by little. And, uh, and ideally, we'd be, um, we'll be able to offer uh, experience days in Communa 13. So there's more of the Communa that can benefit rather than just that street that I mentioned um, mm. up on the graffiti where the development and the transformation or economic benefits may be limited. But as you say, I mean, that street, you know, it, it is obviously the epicenter and the, where the benefits, the economic benefits are concentrated. But it sounds like to me by having 
taken advantage positively of the eco park and all of this area, then there's a spread. You know, there's it's filtering out. Obviously, not to the degree of that street in Comuna Trece, not at all. But by building this and and creating these options, as you say, horse riding tours, uh, walking tours, uh, the the natural swimming pools, I mean, I think it's, you're you're expanding on the offer here. Um, But there is no risk from armed groups, the gangs up in this area anymore. I mean, you've got it all sewn up. Yeah, so obviously stuff still goes on in the barrio, but in terms of in the mountains where we are, uh, I mean, you might get a few kids come up to smoke some marijuana, but uh, you're not, um, it's not vulnerable. You get a lot of cyclists that go and cycle in those mountains. Uh, so yeah, it's very safe. I mean, I'm there a lot. Uh, yeah. You can walk. Uh, I mean, we, we always make sure we've got a local guide with any tourists that come. Uh, but you get you get locals walking up those mountains uh, with their family on Sundays or festivals. Um, so yeah, no, there's no trouble. That that's that's one of the things, you know, Richard. It's how amazing the transformation is, and mm-hmm. how the graffiti, the escalators, the the rise of the tourism has led mm-hmm. to being able to start something like this in another mm-hmm. place where just three three years ago it was it, there was it was dangerous and. Yeah. Uh, on on one of our walking tours, we go. I mean, this is just a small point of trans, transformation, but it's quite interesting, really. So uh, we visit the the memorial gravestone, and we go into the barrio, uh, into the neighbourhood, mm-hmm. and there's there's a there's a house painted in green, and uh, apart from the amazing view of the city that you can get from places like this in the Comuna. There's a, there's a big story behind this this house that looks like a rotten house with loads of rubbish outside. Uh, but it's actually now a recycling centre for, for the local people. And if you go back 20 years, it was actually basically a torture house. So it, it, it went from, it went from uh, I don't know the exact order, uh, the local guides know this knowledge more, but it went from... Uh, narco traffickers using it as a, 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 a house so that torture house sounds bad but maybe a house mm. was even uh, an illegal illegal activities prostitution drugs uh, assassinations um and then uh, the paramilitaries got involved and uh, they took over that house but they used it for the same thing and then eventually why it's painted green is because the army then came came in and uh to i suppose quote unquote save or rescue and 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 then there's stories that the army used it for exactly the same thing and so it wasn't it wasn't until locals decided to to speak up and uh and to really have transformation from within which is Comuna 13 in in a sentence really and uh now it's a recycling center um I mean, it's not it's not educating the whole barrio on recycling and and the most green place in the world. But from what it, from what it's come from, it's uh it, it it's the steps towards transformation. And now we can bring tourists there. We can uh as and to show this part of the transformation. Um, so, when yeah. you're when you're in a place like this, the greenhouse, can you feel the weight? of history there can you feel that 
uh, events of extreme emotional importance have taken place? Is there like an ambience? Uh, a bit philosophical for you, but... Yeah, no, there is. When uh, So recently I've been uh, doing tours there with the local guides uh, assisting. And obviously I know the story. And when when we're walking past that memorial and past the church and we go down into the barrio and they don't know about this greenhouse and the story. Uh, but once the guide starts telling the story of uh, how, how the house was used for the same thing, I, I can feel a, a sense and a change in in the ambiance, as you say, of uh, of the tourists. I mean, that, that, it's almost like they realise, hang on a minute. Right, there is a good view. We're in the mountains, and it's great learning these things. But this, this was real. Like these people mm. who are walking by us in the barrio now, like their kids, their their parents or their grandparents were, were living were, were living like this. And uh, so you you can feel uh, that sort of history. And I I think because I've I've been there and I've done it a lot. I think I feel it from the tourists more, which is it's new to them. They're not too sure what to expect. It's not the graffiti in Community 13. It's something new, but they still see the the history. But also uh, what's really important and uh, something that we want to make sure that people leave the eco park with is that that was the history. And now there's that, it's a recycling center for the barrio. And as we walk up that mountain and as, as we play volleyball in the mountains in, in the eco park or as we swim, we're, we're leaving that history behind. You know, that, that's what these local people are trying to do. And, it, and it's an yeah. uphill battle, literally. Uh, but I mean, sorry, I, I'm, I'm, I'll get passionate about it. <laughs> well, as <laughs> well, you should. I, yeah, but it's, uh, obviously I, I always try and make sure that I clarify that like, I don't do the tours I'm not a local. I try and help out because I know the kids. I try and like, I'm trying to work with them on our English program and and try and uh, build. Like, ideally, those kids could would be able to go in at weekends for free because mm-hmm. uh, we, we're producing enough revenue or like enough tourists coming. However, you want to put it. Uh, mm. At the moment, the kids from the school go once a week for free, but not a weekends. And uh, but they but they just love it, and uh, mm. it's um. It's, it's good to see them up there and then doing these tours and sort of starting with this transformation or back piggybacking and continuing the transformation is what is is what the locals want to do mm. i think it's a rehabilitation of an area that is so uh i mean enveloped in in a stigma uh, obviously from the violence and the illegality that took place but um I mean, I, I I think also the, the, the importance of open spaces. I mean, when you look at, let's say, a shanty town or an invasion or these sort of these barrios, these comunas, there's no space. It's all built up, isn't it? It's just, you know, breeze block up and breeze block up. And, and, and these, the kids, their open spaces are the streets or, or yeah. rooftops. And so now what you've taken is you are uh, uh, appropriating, and rightly so, um, there's a negative connotation to appropriation but i would say it's an appropriation of the open space for you know positive activity uh, the only concern and i'm kind of playing devil's advocate here is that uh, you know in an extension of the comuna 13 tours 
It's not a poverty safari, though. I mean, you're you're not doing a misery tour. You're not. You are trying no, to no, create yeah, something no, positive. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm big on that. Um, yeah. We we've actually seen, uh, well, m- maybe more so when I've just walked through with friends. Mm. Um, it's it's a good tour. I, I think I've never heard that before. Did you say poverty <laughs> tour? Poverty tour. Pover- po- poverty safari. Poverty safari, yeah, no. So we're big on that because, uh, like these kids, I mean they're real people, you know. It's real life, yeah. and yeah. and the thing about what what I'm big on, sort of, with these kids who I'm who I know personally, is I don't want them to think that this life, the life, is the same for everyone, or that the life has to continue like that. And mm. there's some kids who can really understand that. And well, one child, for example. He, he asked me to borrow my camera and he comes and takes photos and, and he's also learning English and we're trying to do, to, to try and to uh, partner the same thing. And if he realized that he can learn English, learn a bit of photography, speak to people from outside of his barrio, I mean, things can just open your mind so much that, uh, that he's not thinking he's in poverty. Like he thinks, uh, I mean, however you want to define poverty, he he, mm. he then goes home to his family and 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 has had a great day and mm. etc. So yeah, I, I'm big on uh, not almost like not highlighting how poor you are to the mm. to, to these kids or anything like that. And uh, mm. yeah, it, I think key word would probably be transformation and positive, uh, like yeah. you say. I think so, and and uh, you know, opening these children's eyes to opportunity just little things like the photography and it makes me think of jesus abad colorado the photographer who was from the comuna in in medellin and who's perhaps one of colombia's most recognized photographers today for the conflict and 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 he understands you know you understand it's a rehabilitation it's a reconciliation that takes place that's on this do you i mean off the off the cuff here do you live up there in the comuna yourself or are you down a bit no i'm down a bit yeah down okay. san juan san juan road there is there's there's been times when there's been a room at the eco park available because uh, the founder lives at a, there's a there's a tree house basically <laughs> you want to live in a uh, tree house <laughs> well i mean the thing is uh, we, one of the ways that we're thinking of bringing in revenue or exposing it is to either airbnb that house mm-hmm. uh the room or to do a work away i'm not sure if you're mm-hmm. familiar with work away have volunteers somebody could help on the farm or help with mm-hmm. uh some sort of uh, there's there's lots of there's lots of little jobs that need to be done around around the park so um that's something that i've sort of got an eye on uh there's a lot of moving parts we we, i I think i mean before we can do that without lots and lots of work to just try and convince somebody to come and stay there we need Mm -hmm. to become a bit more established as Mm -hmm. as a, a thing to do in community 13 when you think of graffiti, maybe you can think of the horse ride or think of the natural mm. pools and chill out in the mountains as well. It, mm. I mean, it's a, it's a long journey to be honest, because, uh, I mean, I know how tough I, I try to convince people a lot. <laughs> I try <laughs> to explain that I'm, I'm there in the evenings a lot in the week and, uh, and it's safe and it's private land. And, mm. uh, but, but one thing is that when people come there, nobody's ever known what to expect when they've when when they visited and uh whether it's with a big group or whether it was uh 
just my friends who are, who I brought along. Mm. They, they've always they've always been really surprised and they've always loved it. And they love the energy. If they go for a swim, it's, you can feel the natural, the freshness of the water. Uh, we, we were there before Christmas and with a few friends and we ended up doing a Colombian versus extranjeros <laughs> against foreigners volleyball, little volleyball yeah. match. And of course, all the kids were there and it was the, the energy is great, you know. And yeah. I mean, you're, you feel like you're a million miles away from the city. You really do. And, and that's the important part, isn't it? So that again, that transportation. How how many kids do you do you have then in your football school? So in the football school, at full capacity, we'll be talking about hundred boys and fifty girls. Wow! Uh, and that we don't always get that, and unfortunately, uh, the main reason is because they can't afford the subscription fees. Uh, so the moment is we, they pay three pound a month which is the fees to cover the, the, to rent out the pitch and to pay the coaches who organize a lot of stuff and there every week. Uh, and, and then obviously we lose some to the streets, I suppose, yeah. or to, yeah, to other, to other activities, which is, uh, which is sad, but our football school, very much, uh, a place to, to facilitate and give an opportunity for those who are most struggling. Uh, a lot of our kids would rotate with their siblings one month or a couple months, and then so you don't see a kid for a couple of months because his brother's at football, and uh, so that, that the parents can't afford um, to, to pay for them both. Uh, it's a, it's really really tough because we try and produce a bit of discipline and have a community feel to to say that between parents between kids. If you don't pay, you can't play. It's a, it's a simple uh, mm. sort of almost rule of life. Uh, however, if those kids again turned away at the gate of the of the football pitch, often they're not going home. They're yeah. they're they're on the street. So it's 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 a it's a thin line, and what we're still working on, to be honest, uh, with the local guys to make sure that it, it, it's it's the discipline and not a rejection almost. Can uh, can listeners or other people donate for this? Do you have a, like a, a donation page? Uh, so yes, well, well, I have a GoFundMe page which I set yeah. up, which which actually uh, was raising money for uh, food in a uh, during the pandemic mm. when a lot of lot of our families were really struggling and. Uh, so I suppose we'll put that in the link in, in the bio, right. will we? <laughs> so, yeah, 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 definitely. I, I mean, how if we, you mentioned the pandemic, obviously, I guess numbers dropped to the echo parks and stuff with all of that. And Medellin's, you know, experiencing quite a, a phenomenal lockdown, I think, at the moment. And it's been very affected. How has uh, Comuna Trece been affected by the, uh, the pandemic? Um. Well, in terms of tourism, it, it left it left yeah. zero, yeah. and so that in, it probably impacted those people on a greater scale. Uh, maybe they're not going as hungry as as other people, but in terms of the uh, the, the reduction, um, and in terms of yeah, there was it, it hit it hard to be honest, mate. Uh, like we as a corporation. Uh, Corporation Pacifistas and all the lo- we worked with a lot of local 
people to deliver like 9,000 weekly shops uh, within the community. I, I was up there a few times trying to deliver these and uh, yeah, it was tough. There's lots of red flags for hunger. I don't know if you saw that on the yeah. news. There was lots, oh, a lot yeah. of people flying red flags and the uh, we, we actually got a lot of donations from the uh, like companies uh, like Exito Foundation and mm. but but we didn't receive any from what I know I, I, I don't mean to speculate here but we didn't receive any from like state help from the government which was promised and which obviously we, you can't really rely on but uh, it was um yeah it was tough the Hamas the guy mm-hmm. uh, he. He, he's he's a real social hero really social leader and he um at at the eco park where there is the tree house he he actually because we couldn't accept tourists and basically the eco park project was put on hold for all of that time he mm. he knew that people were out on the streets so, so so there's one there was one family and the the boy is a dwarf and and he has an electric chair uh, so, you, uh, just to help get around, because when he walks, he, he, his bum is on the floor, but I don't, mm. don't want to try and sensationalize this or anything, but, uh, he, and his, his mum and dad lost their work in the pandemic. So they were, they pawned his chair to get money, um, uh, to eat basically. And, mm. and Hamez type of guy he is, uh, he, he did a lot for this family. Actually, he took them in at the eco park, and basically they worked around at the eco park, and uh, in exchange for roof and some food. And uh, I mean that hit Hammers a lot because Hammers has a job, uh, but he wasn't getting any income from the eco park at this point uh, with no mm. tourists, and uh, so it was tough. And since then. Uh, we managed to raise some money to get the chair back, which was great uh, mm-hmm. for, for the kids. And uh, the owners of the land actually donated uh, a lot, a lot there, mm-hmm. uh, in order for them to build their house. Um, nice. Like to have their own space, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and and give them a bit of a foundation in terms of going out to like the, mm-hmm. The, the dad can go out and, and look for a job and get some work to, to help build the house. What one story amongst many, I would assume. And how is the how are the like the infection or contagion rates as well in the Comuna Trece? Do you have any idea? No, I, I'm I'm not too familiar on that. To be honest, uh, mm. it's not really. Um, I mean, a lot of and when when like maybe last June, July, when it was uh, full lockdown, uh, there was a lot of families getting infected uh, that I knew about. Um, but I, I don't know any details in terms of okay. like numbers and I don't even know Colombia's details, which are more public <laughs> than Community 13. Uh, I t- try not to watch negative news or yeah. Bombard. Well, uh, I hate to sell it. it. It's not good. It's, that's all you could use. It's not good. But uh, I, I think there's something here and there's something, you know, sort of below what we've been discussing. We've t- talked a lot about this and I've watched the videos because you've, you, I mean, you've got stuff on YouTube and about the eco park and, and, and possibilities for local people. And as you say, it's 5,000 to go in on a weekend and 3,000 to go in um, on a weekday, you know, to you and I, 
it's his pittance to a local person it's you know it's it's a, it's money but i there was one lady on one of the videos discussing you know it's like uh, how i mean they all say how much they love going to the pools up there the natural pools and spending time up there but the one lady just says you know she does express we the fact that they've got to go now and enjoy it now before they can no longer go because probably prices will increase or will gentrify or something else. Is this a, a real concern? Are you, are you guys working towards trying to keep it local? Yes, 100%. Uh, which is actually, especially when I'm trying to advertise it, walking around Poblado in the hostels, getting tourists or something, a big thing is that it is local and uh, mm. Uh, we want it to become a tourist attraction, but we want the space to be there for local people. We don't mm. want we don't want them to be outpriced. Uh, we don't want them to turn their eye because I don't know tourists are getting uh, priority on the volleyball to rent a volleyball or something like that. Hundred uh, uh, percent, because at the end of the day, the founder and the, the partners and everyone involved, uh, we know, like you say five mil for a tourist especially if you're uh, if you're actually on holiday mm. and you're cash rich because you've saved up the money and you can you're paying and you feel like it's really cheap in colombia and so you're tipping left right and center or whatever it may be uh um we we can charge more to those people and because we know that it's local people benefiting uh, as a business and through the social projects that we then support Mm. Uh, we can do that in peace and a big thing is to make sure it stays local as well mm. um, in, in response to that video I'm not sure what that video was but mm. what it may be is because we got a lot of criticism some of the news channels that you may have seen was because of Las Combrera and the, the, the mass graveyard that, that is mm. there and so one thing that we uh, like we had some negative news. It was almost like, oh my God, we're going to be finished before we, we're done if the, if lawyers get involved and say that we have to take it down. However, it hasn't got to that uh, because the way we see it is it's, it's actually a bit of a platform for us to mm. be like, look, this is what we're doing because of that history. Uh, this is what we, we want to create these spaces for the local people. We want to show how beautiful Communa 13 is because you're in the mountains away from the city. And, uh, and also, to be clear, it's actually not uh, on the mass grave. The, the land mm. where the pools are isn't on the mass grave. We, we are to the side of it. And on mm. tours, we, we go and learn. We walk on that, that man-made mountain with, uh, and visit the memorial, uh, which is another thing that we want to try and build uh, and develop. So, so it's very much we, we we're on the same side as any protesters or any human rights activists who, who want to continue looking who, who want to uh, commemorate those missing people you know and uh, and Hamez the main guy uh, he's a human rights activist he, he's he's fought hard to try and make sure that uh, they continue looking and to make sure that there's there is a memorial and we continue to commemorate you know so uh, may, maybe uh the the lady on your video that you mentioned was was a bit saying oh well if they take it down because they're looking for bodies or something or because of the the news no it was oh maybe it was that more than the gentrification maybe but i you're not i mean it's very clear you're not trying to 
uh, you know, cover up what happened there. You're not trying to hide it. Uh, that's I think that's the important thing. Yeah. I just uh, I, I think this the important. Uh, there will be a certain gentrification. It will happen. There will be a certain degree of uh, you know sort of uh, I think displacement of people. Is it happens in cities? I mean, but if the traditional community can remain and there is compassionate growth and a compassionate economy towards the reality that's there then it's all positive it's all positive in this respect and i think what you're doing is is quite incredible and that you spent so long up there what is the what is your what is your future plan damon is this it i mean this is it your football coaching for life up in the comuna <laughs> what a question um, yeah well to be fair I, I'm not coaching all weeks now at the moment <laughs> so, like, if, if I'm working on I mean I work as well so it's not uh, okay. this is all my free time so right. it, it does uh, can be tiring and and luckily I, the other coaches are, are more consistent and they get paid to, to cover me sometimes uh, <laughs> but, but I mean it is me yeah I'm, I'm here now uh, mm. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I just love it. I, there, there's a big future. I'm, I mean, I, I look to, I look at the, the kids who I know more than like the whole community. Uh, like the guy, the, the child who's learning English and uh, doing the photography, for example. He he talks about going to the UK to study, and huh. so like. Well, he wants to work for NASA. That's the type of kid he is. He's a and why not? He's a real star. But that mm. sort of, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that's impossible. Who, who knows? He's got mm. a few years to study. He doesn't have to go to university. Or whatever, eighteen, he doesn't have to go to university. And if he wants to come back to Comuna Treze, he can do that. He, it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm big on sort of trying to, trying to help someone along the way with an opportunity or to open their eyes. Uh, I mean, the dream would be to go to the UK, go to London for a football tour with, uh, with 150 kids from community 13. And, uh, why not? You know, yeah. Why so not? why not? Uh, I, uh, I, I'm actually talking to West Ham. Sorry to interrupt. I'm talking to West, to West Ham. Uh, I mean, I know you mentioned them. I, I couldn't claim that I was an ex player, but they, uh, we're, we're talking to West Ham to try and get some sort of program up in the Comuna, which would, uh, like a mass participation program where their coaches would come and train our coaches, uh, on, on various things. Um, so I mean, if we could get that and that could produce a bit of a long-term project, um, we, we can help produce more jobs, create more jobs and get more mm. kids playing sports and, and not on the street. So you're essentially evolving into a potential scout for West Ham. Are there any future stars in your in your teams? There's there's a few good players, but I don't think I'm potentially a scout. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. No, I, but uh, there's a there's a couple of good players. We lost a couple to a few better teams around Medellin, which is great. Uh, um, there are there is a there is a sense of. Uh, you need to play football to try and become a professional. For example, in those types of areas, such as Communa 13, where maybe that may be the only healthy path. Uh, 
And I think they don't need any more help with believing that. And so I, I can help with opening eyes to something else. Maybe it's just getting more people involved to play for fun mm-hmm. or, or, or to learn English or who knows. I mean, I, I, I arrived full time in Colombia in January 2020, uh, <laughs> moved back for good. And since then, so much has happened and changed and, and I've yeah. learned so much. So, I mean, who knows what another year can can hold and... Mm, definitely well uh, we have to wind this down but I say thank you for your time and immensely generous time that you spend up there in the Comuna Terese you know helping and how can the listeners of the podcast help you help uh, the eco park is there some way online because obviously at the moment no one could visit anywhere and i would say in the future when things <laughs> return to some semblance of normal uh, obviously they can take the tours up there and and so on else but what can they do from their homes and their offices to help you uh oh, let me get the list out <laughs> yeah well, just so, uh, give us some but, give us some links <laughs> yeah so first of all uh, follow us on instagram and facebook it's at echo parque 13 so that's e-c-o-p-a-r-q-u-e 13 uh, and that should that should just uh show up when you search for it um, but yeah, the, the park is open. So even if we're open four days and closed for the weekends here in Medellin, if you're here in Medellin, if you want to go for a horse tour, uh, contact us on social media. If you want to come visit, contact us on social media. That's the best place you can you can check us out. The videos, the photos, it's really beautiful. And uh, I mean, that, that is the best way, to be honest, to get people going and, and then tell a friend or, or tell a friend and bring a friend and uh because at the moment I'm telling all my friends and it's still is tough. So, so uh, yeah, but hopefully the word can spread little by little and we can improve our service and give everybody what they need uh, and what they want, locals and tourists. Excellent. Well, listen, Damon, Damon O'Neill, thank you so much for telling us all about this. And you really have shown your love and affection for the area because it's not just anyone who would stay or come back and 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 just really dedicate all of their spare time to this i mean it's quite incredible so i think you should be you know immensely proud i think you're quite a humble person because again you know you were you were on trials for west ham and tottenham and you you're not bigging it up at all and 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 i just think i think it's incredible and and we need more people to to dedicate some time a bit more altruistic a bit more open to new experiences so thank you again for all that you've shared with us and uh, and i will i promise if i get to medellin at some point in the future i will come and uh, check yeah, out the come, <laughs> right. come and uh, i don't know if you like horse tours we'll go ride the horses in the mountains I, th- I think I'd sooner swim in the in the natural pool. <laughs> but, but anyway, but so we've been talking to Damon O'Neill, a volunteer at the Eco Parque in Comuna Trece. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been episode 372. Obviously, all of the links to the Eco Parque Trece will be found on our Facebook page and Twitter and so on. Uh, tune in next week. We'll be talking to another person about something Colombia related but this has been a really great show thank you again and bye bye